Good evening. Y'all will begin turning to John chapter 10. We're so thankful to have Cheryl and Audrey Evans with us this week. They happened to bring Fred with them. And uh, we're glad to have them. We're willing to Fred will be preaching here Sunday and then this coming week from today, Wednesday as well, while they're in town. He's going to work some, and so as you remember him, ask the Lord gives him a message for your heart, and bless him with it first. We're thankful to have him. Here in John chapter 10, we've been looking at this for a while now. The Lord healed a blind man in John chapter 9. He did a work in that man, and some things happened in him, and he kept professing Christ and he kept getting more simple and more simple and more simple and he said all I know is I was blind now I can see and he's God Almighty that did it and he hadn't seen but 15-20 people his whole life <laughs> he'd heard everything and some man came up in this group that he'd heard talking and put mud in his eyes and he never spoke the whole time the Lord found him after they kicked him out of religion Boy, what price that comes with you can't get buried there you can't come to no bar mitzvahs, you can't do nothing. Your whole family's out. It's over. You can't live mom and dad no more. And the Lord found him. And he said, you believe the Lord? He said, who is he? I may worship him. I know he's one of y'all's voices. <laughs> I remember that. He said, so I, me, it's talking to you. And he bowed down and he worshiped the Lord. And we don't hear another peep out of him. And he's been there this whole time. We've been going through John 9 and John 10. And our Lord, they asked him, I said, how? So he's asking that blind man, how did he get his sight? How did he get his sight? How did he, not why, not how could this be just. <laughs> Can I get sight? Can we praise the one that gave him sight? There weren't no technicalities, didn't it? There weren't no doctrine of it. Ugh. It's a shame. And they asked him why, and our Lord said, well, I'll tell you. Severely I say unto you. And he gave him the illustration of the sheepfold. He said, y'all thieves and robbers. Everyone that comes after me is thieves and robbers. He said, but I'm the door. I'm the one that they got to go through. I'm it. I'm the way. That's what he's telling them. And they said, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> they didn't get it. And so patiently, tenderly, kindly, leaving all men without excuse, our Lord explained it to them. He explained this parable. And he said, I'm the door of the sheep. Everybody else is thieves and robbers. He said, I'm the door. If any man shall enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pleasure. There's peace in me. And he said, I'm the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. Those hirelings, they'll, they'll run at the drop of a hat. They'll find something else more important, and they'll leave. I won't. He's the good shepherd. He's the, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. That's who he is. He said, that's me. They know exactly what he's talking about. They understood this physical parable of, of all the sheep would go into this corral in the evenings and then the shepherds would go say, come on, he'd call them by name, they'd come out and they'd follow them. They understood that and he said, I'm the shepherd. I'm going to lay down my life in the sheep. And they're still kind of on board because they believed in election. <laughs> they thought they were it from birth, physical birth. And they hadn't got bad yet. They just didn't know where he was going. And he looked him dead in the eye and he said, other sheep I have that are not of this fold, them I must bring. I got some Gentiles out there. And he started gritting. 
We're special. He's telling us we ain't special. He's saying he's a special one. I didn't like that. Well, we get down to verse 19. John 10, 19. There was a division, therefore, again. <laughs> again. It's already happened a couple of times, isn't it? There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. Everything the Lord said. And many of them said, many of them, he hath a devil and is mad. Why do you hear him? Who are they speaking to? The Lord's, the blind man's still standing there. His disciples are still with him. And they look to his very sheep that he came to lay down his life for. And they say, why are you listening to him? He's evil. E- evil. He's a devil. Are you mad? You're the mad one. They attacked the Lord's sheep right in front of the shepherd. Others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Now the Lord may have saved some of those. I don't know. But inside the camp of the Jews, of the religious folks standing there around him, they started talking to each other. There was discussion. There was debate. There was division. Not dedication. Not devotion. Not bowing down and worshiping God Almighty that's standing right in front of them. There was a division. People don't talk about that much, do they? Over Matthew 10, our Lord said, Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. He is to his people. <laughs> but for the broad spectrum of this earth that we're in, think not I come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be those of his own household. If he saves somebody, there's going to be some fighting. Everybody ain't going to be hunky-dory. It ain't going to happen. Well, what if I was all alone on a deserted island? And the Lord sent a preacher, save me, and then that preacher left. Just like Rachel, if I be, if it be so, why am I thus? If I have life in me, why am I warring? There's, there's a man that lives inside of me, the guy you're looking at right now, that wakes up in the morning and says, there ain't no way in the world to that man in the mirror that you're a child of God. I know what you think. I know what you feel. I know how you look at this world. I know how you look at others. I know how you look at yourself. And I get prettier every day. <laughs> I think so. I'm aging well. <laughs> I'm an arrogant, arrogant man. And that foe's in my own household looking me in the mirror. But whenever life comes, just like with Rachel, there wasn't a problem until life in them. There wasn't a problem until life put in them. Everything's fine. These men were fine until the Lord showed up. They said, Christ is coming. I still believe that. Messiah's going to come. He's going to fulfill the law. That's fine with that until he showed up. There's a king and he has some subjects. That's fine until the king shows up because we're running ourselves. We're governing ourselves. We do what we want. We make our own decisions. Now he's going to come down the road, but for right now I'm the boss. I'm the boss of me, isn't it? <laughs> Natural man hates the king And he hates the king's people because of who the king is. That's why I said in Matthew Matthew 10, 22, And ye shall be hated of all men. Speaking to his people, to his sheep, his subjects, you're going to be hated of all men for my name's sake. Because of me. Because you're mine. You're going to be hated. You're going to be hated. You'll take sides with God against yourself too. (laughs) What was this division over? Why did some want to kill him? Why did some want to kill us? What it's always truly over. Anytime there's a division, 
It's because of him. Because of him. Now, it might be excused on something else or accused on something else. Well, we don't like the way they preach or we don't like the way they do the Lord's table or their hat ain't the size of hat we want to wear or whatever. No. If the gospel is being preached and there's a division, there's a separation because of it, debating and discussing and the, the constant yapping instead of bowing, it's because of him. Because of him. For his name's sake. The person and the work of Christ. The king and his people he came to save. Those that he laid down his life for. Who and what. Who he is, what he did. The king eternal. That's why they crucified him. Do you know that? Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put him in a purple robe and said, Hail, king of the Jews. They mocked him. They mocked him. And they smote him with their hands. Almighty God. They put him on a Roman cross. Because they said he's the king of the Jews. He thinks he's going to run a, a kingdom here. They had no idea. <laughs> they had no, with wicked hands they slew him. And all the foreknowledge of God in him. Turn over to Luke 19. I was reading this and this morning made me think of it. Luke 19. The Lord had called Zacchaeus down from that tree. He said, I'm going to come to your house today, buddy. <laughs> Today's salvation's come to your house. He says in Luke 19, verse 11, And as they heard these things, while they were sitting there in Zacchaeus' house, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh unto Jerusalem, because they, sought, they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They thought this kingdom, Christ will take over, is going to be here on earth. The apostles thought that for a long time. And he said, therefore, verse 12, A certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Our nobleman, Christ our nobleman, came a long way down to this country, didn't he? To redeem his people. And he returned. He's sitting on his throne right now. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him. And sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man reign over us. They sent a letter after him. You know what that means? They all sat down and they debated and they discussed and they had divisions among themselves and they finally put it down in writing. They talked it over thoroughly. Now they took the ten pounds, didn't they? <laughs> they didn't send that back. They didn't send the 10 pounds back with the letter. Here's your stuff, take it. Mankind right now debates God. They discuss God. They these open forums about God all over the place, but they're still breathing His air. We're still eating His food. We're still drinking His water. Still getting soaking up His sunshine, don't we? Verse 15, And it came to pass that when He had returned, having received the kingdom, then He commanded these servants to be called unto Him, to whom He had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. He just gave this parable to these Pharisees. They asked the blind man. He gave him a good, good message, I think. <laughs> That's a good, honest gospel message. He said, you want to be his disciple too? They said, you get out of here. We're Moses' disciple. He said, no kidding. And he preached to them. Then the Lord came to him. He told, gave him this parable. And then he gave it to him again because they didn't understand. Then he spoke to him again. He keeps coming to him, don't he? Every opportunity. 
But it came to pass, verse 10, 15, when he returned, he'd received the kingdom. He commanded these servants to be called to him, to whom he had given the money. That he might know how much every man had gained by trading. What did you learn from what he told them? Every man's accountable, aren't we? Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound. Called him Lord. Said, thy pound. It ain't nothing but your pound. You gave it to me. It's gained 10 pounds. And he bowed down and said, look, look what your, this is yours, Lord, every bit of it. The first pound and the tenth pound. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful with a little, you'll be over ten cities. Verse 18, The second came and said, Lord, thy pound. This is your pound. You gave it. Here's five pounds. It's gained five pounds. And he said, You'll be over five cities. Down in verse 20, it says, There came another. Another came saying, Lord, behold, here's thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Sounds good, kind of, doesn't it? Like, well, is there some respect there? No, no. He explains it. Thou takest up where thou layest not down, and thou reapest what thou dost not sow. You should have left me alone. What do you think you're doing? On whose authority do you think you've come here? Here's your pound back. That's not bowing, is it? Is that worshiping it? Lord, you gave you were so generous, you gave us a pound, and I just did what you told me, and here's ten. Here's right back to you. <laughs> Everything I have is yours. You gave it, and you gave the increase. They said, You're an austere man. You reap for you don't sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Is that what you got to say? I'll stand you by that, you wicked servant. Thou knewest I was an austere man, is that what you thought? Taking up, thou lay down not, and reaping what I didn't sow. You knew so much, you debated so much, you had this all figured out, didn't you? Wherefore then thou gavest not my money to the bank, <laughs> that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. You could at least do a little bit of interest on it, couldn't you? You could at least been a little bit profitable with it. Just use good common sense. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to them that have ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Who does that make happy? When you hear this, he dealt harshly with those that, that, that wouldn't have him reign over them, that willfully didn't want anything to do with him. But those that know the king, those that know that he elects his own, he protects his own, he provides for his own, he preserves his own for his kingdom, he owns them, he regulates everything, he administrates, <laughs> he's the administrator of everything, the potentate, the only authority there is. And he's able to do all that. That's not austere. That's holiness. That's good. On this earth, there's, there's totalitarian dictatorships. And those men are mean. <laughs> They're evil. This king rules and reigns everything. And he's holy and good and kind and delights to show mercy. That's good news. Don't go against him. <laughs> Lay down your shotgun. Don't fight him. You're going to lose. He's a good king and a powerful king. That's not bad news. That's good news. In Luke 19, verse 5, Jesus came to the place 
He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. I've heard that preached two different ways. And it's, I love it both ways. Zacchaeus came down and he received the Lord Jesus Christ joyfully. You bet he did. But that king received Zacchaeus joyfully too. There was no division among them. They were united. There was unity. There was no debating. He said, well, now I'm going to come down, but i got some leaves I'm going to have to shake out first. No, he came down. There was no debating. There was no division. Just loving devotion. Loving devotion. That's what Jude wrote about. He said, now unto him that's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I can't get over that. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. That's able, praise Him. Glory goes to Him. Amen. But there must be heresies among us. There must be divisions. There must be fighting and backbiting and stealing and robbing and everything else. It's got to be. It's got to be. Tares must be sowed with the wheat. Paul wrote to Corinth. He's about to instruct him on the Lord's table. And he said, for first of all, when you come together in church, I hear that there be divisions among you. Y'all debating and arguing and, and, and discussing everything underneath the sun. That's what I'm hearing from you. He said, I partly believe it. For there must be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. Now, was that just in Corinth? Because they was kind of bad off, wasn't they? Was that just during that time period? John said the same thing. He said, little children. That's, that's when you're speaking tenderly, isn't it? You don't scream and argh, grunt and swing at a little child. You speak kindly to little children. He said, little children, it's the last time. And you've heard that the Antichrist shall come? Even now, there are many Antichrists. You've heard about this stuff people's talking about? Oh, it's, it's, all over. it's worse than you think it is. Whereby we know that this is the last time. We know that's going on. Old Joe Terrell said that one time. He said one of the chief attributes of the Antichrist is going to round everybody up and get them to go look for the Antichrist. <laughs> get them to go looking somewhere other than bowing to Christ himself. Look anywhere but Christ. Get tied up in dates and times and signs and wonders and whatever. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. No doubt. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Hey, that terrify me. Oh, I'm prone to wonder. This great, kind, generous king that came and laid down his life for me, I'll be the first one that went outside of his hand of providence to, to, to spit on him and run as fast as I could. But John said, but ye, ye, the ones there, the ones reading who he, who he wrote this to, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. I know I'd run. Like Rachel, I know I got that old man in me. I didn't know that before. I thought I was a pretty good fella. I thought I had some knowledge. I, had, I could wrangle you down with doctrine. And I found out what a wretch I was. Back in our text are in John 10. Only those outside of Christ are divided on these things. There's confusion. The Lord's not the author's confusion, is it? Man is. It says in John 10, 19, There was a division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. The blind man wasn't divided. He worshipped. The apostles 
The disciples standing there with him, they weren't divided. They just rejoiced. They said, Amen. The shepherd and the sheep, this king and his subjects, they rejoiced and worshipped him for it. For him being king of all. For him being Lord of all. There's no division. I got a letter from a lady. I got a pen pal. I've known her for a long time. Know her family. And she wrote me and she said, My great-grandson, only 27 years old. We had a death in the family a week ago. My great-grandson was only 27 years old. And he died. And he did not know the Lord Jesus. But God does all things well. He can't, we can trust him fully for all things. How could a woman that just lost her great-grandson know that he didn't know the Lord, be that honest with herself, and know that God's holy and just and right and awful. There ain't, no, ain't nothing austere about him. That's right. I don't understand it, and I grieve, but we can trust him in A-double-L, all things. How could, we, how could she do She has a king. She knows the king. And not just there's one that rules and reigns. She know his, understands his character. There's a holy God that rules and reigns. I was mentioning that. You think about sitting underneath Hosea. <laughs> she marries Gomer. That's illegal. <laughs> you can't do that. And then they have some children and she runs off right back. We told you. I told you so. Why'd you do that? Well, now boys, I'm going to need y'all to go out and work a little harder. I'm going to buy some corn and wine for her. You're going to do what with the church's money? What? Lord told him to do this, didn't he? Our problem is not, not seeing Hosea is wrong. Our problem is not seeing us as Gomer. We have a kind, wonderful king. Oh, he's great. After our great preacher gave his words, Lord in human flesh, those that had ears to hear, they heard, and they bowed down and they worshiped. And those that did not hear, they argued and yapped and butted. You ever, you ever listen to a message that's just, oh, the Lord speaks right to your heart. And all you can do is just, and you, you're grinning and crying at the same time. He's just nodding. Amen. That's right. That's right. Verse 22 says, And it was at Jerusalem at the feast of the dedication that it was winter. And Jesus walked into the temple of Solomon's porch. We'll look at that next time. Verse 24. And then they came to the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. I get, I, Fred, I get frustrated sometimes. I think, hey, who's, who's believed our report? Why not? If they didn't hear, if, if, I didn't, if they didn't get that, why in the world somebody listen to me? <laughs> I'll just preach and go home. I'll be preach and leave folks alone. They said, why you make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. They didn't believe him. They didn't want to hear it one more time. They just wanted added proof so they could report to Rome and have him killed and get out of the way. They can go back to doing what they wanted. Throughout the years, I've heard several people ask or demand. I've heard it both ways, gentle and rough. They've asked or demanded of God's preachers to bring a certain message or to say a particular thing or to stop saying a particular thing. I want you preaching on this. Why don't you bring a message off of that? Not once have I seen it happen. I ain't seen it happen. Those that enter into those debates and arguments and stuff, sometimes the Lord's man, his preacher, they might take the bait for a moment. 
but not in the preaching. There's been some times I I ought not answer the phone call, but I'm going to. <laughs> I regret it worked out good once for me. But they baited the Lord, saying, He's tempted in all points like I am, yet without sin. They said, You're going to tell us something. Tell us plainly. That's what we want you to preach on. <laughs> Why? Why did he do this? Why does his, his messengers, those that he sent, how do they sustain? They're after his own heart. What was our Lord's response? Verse 25. He said, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. I've told you, you've heard me, and you saw the miracles, and you still don't believe. What's that mean? You can see all the miracles you want. You can hear all the words and all the good preaching you want. You can be in the right place at the right time and the right uniform and hear that you're, you're accurate. This guy's accurate. He's the right one. God still must say. Our experiences and our location has nothing to do on his work of salvation in the heart. It's his. He has a means. He has means. It's going to be through the preaching of the gospel. And there's going to be some miracles. I've seen them. I've seen the Lord save folks. I've seen people grow in grace. I've seen mean people get kinder. I've seen stingy people have an open hand. It's happened. But seeing those things and, and hearing it ain't going to do you no good. God must save. That's going to be through those means. But it's going to be His doing. Turn over to Jeremiah 32. I know we've read this often, and I just, I like, I like reading it often. <laughs> Makes me happy. Jeremiah 32. That's one of those things. You, you read Jeremiah 32 and 15, 20 times, you say, you know what, I got it. Let's go to the water cooler and we can dive into some deep doctrine and discuss the heavy thing. No, no. Those that haven't heard anything that, that's not impressed by the king would do such a thing. The Lord's people say, what? can you read that one more time to me? <laughs> Look here at Jeremiah 32 verse 37. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whether I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and with great wrath. I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way. What did the Lord tell these Pharisees? They knew this. He said, there's going to be one fold. And one shepherd. It's my people and I'm the shepherd. <laughs> There's one way. I'm the door. You get that? I will give them one heart and one way. That they may fear me forever. They're going to honor me forever. For the good of them. For their good. <laughs> this ain't just some legal obligation. Well, I have to maintain my holiness. I guess I ought to check this block. No, I see that and I agree. This is for my good. This is for the good of his people. And I, I don't like the trials that come. I don't like the chastening when it happens. And I, I moan, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But I know the end. It's for my good and His glory. I know it. For their good, the good of them and of their children. Amen. <laughs> Any offspring we have spiritually, it's going to be for their good. And He's going to be doing it. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I'll put my fear in their hearts and they shall 
not depart from it. What hope do I have that I won't leave the God that I love? He says, I'm going to put it in your heart and you will not. It's impossible that you'll depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. Willingly, happily, he will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. First off, he's able. He says everything he will do, he's God, he's able. Second, is that austere? Is that a mean king? No, it's not. Oh, that's a loving king and a powerful king and an able king and a king that's worthy of all glory and honor. Back in our text. Why would someone, why wouldn't someone be just overjoyed at that? Why wouldn't they just turn inside out and say, Amen? Like that blind man, Lord, who is he? I may worship him. And we just fall down. Why ain't this place got 3.8 million people in this room? <laughs> just worshiping God. Sing his praises. Verse 26. Lord said, I told you these. You saw everything I've done. You know this guy from his birth. He sees now. Verse 26, John 10, 26. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said to you. You didn't hear me because my sheep hear my voice, and you ain't part of my sheep. You believe not because you're not of my sheep. Now, you didn't say you're not of my sheep because you didn't believe. You didn't believe because you're not of my sheep. I haven't gave you life yet. You're not mine. I came to save my sheep. Where did he get to them sheep? God gave them to him. He bought them with blood. And the Holy Spirit brings us to his feet to see him, to see Christ revealed in us and us worship him. Rightfully he is. Verse 27 says, My sheep, they hear my voice. And I know them. I love them. They love me. And they follow me. They follow me. You can look at it later, but in Leviticus 8, they was going to anoint Aaron and his sons. And Moses was there. And they took a ram, a male sheep, <laughs> head sheep, our older brother. And they slew him. And they slew the lamb. And Moses took the blood of it. And he put it three places on him. He put it on their right ear. And he put it on their right thumb. And he put it on their right big toe. Why? When the, when the Holy Spirit comes and applies the blood of Jesus Christ to his people, our great shepherd's blood, we hear him. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And we said, I don't really, I can't explain all these things, but that's right. That's right, amen. And I'll, I'll lose my job, my family, whatever over, but that's, that's necessary. That's right. And he anoints us on the hand. We serve him willingly. We serve his people. We have an open hand. People say that, well, you've got to give money. Ah, money, money comes and goes as his. Now, all of a sudden, we give the hand of friendship. Now we, we give mercy. We give forgiveness because we've been forgiven. We have an open hand to hug for the first time ever. And he anoints our feet that we follow him. We go where he is. That ain't complicated. Man can make that as complicated as they want. Well, if the Lord's in that room and we're in this room, I love y'all. I'm going to go in that room. I'm going to go where he is. Why? That's my shepherd. I'm going to follow him. That ain't rocket science, is it? We follow him. We hear his voice. He knows us. We know him. He says, and I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life. That they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of hand. Eternal life is not the quantity of the life. 
there's a sense we're all going to be coherent, alive forever. But it's life that he gives. This is the quality of it. Those that the shepherd died for, those that he gave sight to, they have life eternal. He says in the scriptures, I came to give them life more abundant. And that's not just good times. Paul said, Christ, who is our life? He said, I give you me. We're going to have him. Well, people like streets of gold and mansions and Ferraris or something else. Or, you know, we're going to have clouds and we're going to have a harp. I don't care about all that. <laughs> I want him. I want to be with king. We have him eternally. Life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, we say. Hmm. What's the assurance of that? Of our shepherd, our great king. Verse 29 says, My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. The work of Christ in calling out his sheep and providing for them and laying down his life for them and preserving them for eternity, forever, to be in him and with him and one with him and his bride, it is sure. Dad said, you can take it to the bank. <laughs> it's sure. Because no man can pluck them out of my father's hand. No man. It, it, within the confines of the ability God gives me, if someone came to pluck one of my children from us, good luck. You're going to have to kill me. Uh, with with, one of your tax dollars has trained me it's still left over it ain't going to happen I'm going to go down fighting I'll take a rock and charge a tank if I have to it ain't going to happen and that's just me Lord said you're evil you know how to provide for your children they ask you for a fish you don't give them a scorpion and you're evil no man's able to pluck them out of the Father's hand it's an impossibility it cannot happen and you know who's included in no man this man no man can lay charge to God's elect. That's this one too. That's good news, isn't it? God's able. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's what he asked Abraham. Anything too hard for him? Sarah's back there laughing. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No, there ain't. What's so special about this shepherd? Verse 30. I and my father are one. This one that, that purposed all this, that sent me to claim the sheep, is his sheep he gave it to me. He's ordained everything. He's preserved them forever. You're looking at him. Philip, you've seen me. You've seen the Father. We're one. That triune God manifest in the human body. We don't have, the Father's a spirit, and, and it's manifest in Christ. We have a king we can touch and see and, and hug and sit down at a table. He's going to serve us. I'm going to be without sin to enter into that. He's going to serve us and, and preach to us in the beginning God and then spend about 25,000 years explaining us what that means. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We have a, a God-man as our king and he and the Father are one. The work of Christ and the person of Christ. He's God. He's our eternal king and this is the very one that laid down his life for the sheep and he took his life back up. He's given power of the Father. And he intercedes for the sheep and he eternally secures their eternal life that's in him. He and the Father are one. Our good shepherd, our great shepherd, our chief shepherd that shall appear. He is none other than the Almighty God in human flesh. Isn't that good news? 
this ain't a poker bet. You know, this ain't a scratch-off ticket down at the gas station. <laughs> this is sure. Ordered in all things and sure. This is who it is that came to lay down his life for the sheep. I heard him. I'm going to go where he is by his power. That's good news. Verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. You ain't going to straddle that fence. If God gives you, if he gives you ears to hear, well, that's nice. Yeah, that's a side of the fence too. I like that. If I happen to, if I happen to have a chance, I may go listen to that. That's a side of the fence. It's either button or bowing. You're either picking up, you're either bowing down to grab the stones to throw at him or you're bowing down to worship. But every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess that he's Lord. Oh, I pray that he'd make his people hear him now. <laughs> hear that voice now. Follow him now. And worship him now. I ask that every day. Every day. We'll call out your people. You promised. You said you was going to do it. You're going to do every bit of it. And I'm going to inquire anyway. And he told me in his word. He tells us plainly. He said, I'll add to my church daily as I see fit. And I said, amen, Lord. Will you add some today? <laughs> you bless somebody's heart today. Let one of your sheep hear your word today. I pray he does. All right. Father, we thank you for this parable you've given. And the explanation in such simple terms, Lord, of who Christ is and what he came to accomplish and where he is now. Thank you. Thank you for saving some undeserving sheep in this fold, in this generation. Thank you for coming for us Gentiles, Lord, and calling us out, shedding your blood for your enemies while we were yet in sin, while we were in enmity. Your holy high command, you've saved us. Lay down your life for us, Lord. Give us a pure heart that worships. Let the mind of Christ be in us to humble ourselves and be patient, tender, caring, and long-suffering, and loving as you have been towards us. Thank you for your people everywhere, Lord. Thank you for this generation you've given us, our brethren, in this day. We love them and we're grateful for them. Lord, and Call those you haven't called yet. Give us a comforting word for them. Allow us to be wise and ever pointing all men to Christ. Forgive us for what we are. It's in his name that we ask it. Amen.